All right, we're uh, here for coronavirus episode part two with uh, me, Chandler Barbie, and the amazing Lois, who you might see on uh, Facebook later. She's uh, sleeping in her anxiety bed. Some of us don't know how a podcast starts, uh, but Chandler Barbie in the house. I was going to say we're a quarantine. Get it? Everyone's quarantined. I said quarantine. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're a quarantine, quarantine. Get it? So uh, this is just one of the things we're doing uh, to pass the time uh, in L.A. anyway. The uh, state of uh, stay-at-home quarantine has been uh, extended till May 15th. I'm going to die. Uh, I just bought an elliptical. People have babies by the time this gets out. And uh, we're probably going to get a Peloton. Wait, did we really just buy an elliptical? No, I did, not we. <laughs> I mean, wh- when did you... Is that what you were doing on your computer? Well, they got to get back to me. Uh, oh, and I just have. bought a Frenchie. So... Uh, Ugh, got that past him. What whoa, the... Whoa. Uh, this so, is a house. Uh, this is a dog-friendly household. We're, uh, you know, just, uh, we're all struggling. Uh, Mentally and physically. Yeah, I mean, I, before this, probably hadn't missed a uh, a gym day. Easily a year or two. Uh, yeah, I mean. Since I, I've known you, you've maybe missed one, and that's because you were, like, deathly ill. Because you had the stomach virus, and you still went to the gym once. Yeah, I mean, when uh, I first went to Alabama, I had the stomach virus, and I still went downstairs to the uh, the, uh, the hotel gym. And uh, I would say I haven't missed, I haven't gone more than two days in a row uh, of the gym in probably five to six years, maybe even longer. Yeah, I don't think I've went unless, well, when I was in Europe, I was run. I guess that counts. I was running outside, but this is the longest I haven't been in the gym in a very long time. So, uh, you know, as you guys know, for me, I, I don't do, uh, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, I don't smoke weed, I don't take edibles, I do nothing. So the gym is my Prozac, if you will. So, uh, you know, to know that we're going at least another month, the stay-at-home order, and, and who knows, uh, you know, now I'm here on June 1st, possibly, but nobody knows, really. It. That's the scary part, though, I think. I think, th- not to, this is a stupid comparison, but I think the unknown is what scares people the most. Like in, like aliens. Like, if you knew they were real, you wouldn't be freaked out. But the unknown freaks you out. I think it's the same with the quarantine. I personally have a hypothesis that this is the new norm. That they're brainwashing us into, like... I think this is what the third week, we're, or we're about to go in the fourth week of it. Oh, we're we're longer than uh, I would say. Uh, five weeks ago, I met the Ontario Rain at the Comedy Store, and uh, I think I had like one of the last spots at the Comedy Store. When did I rap Holy Moly? That was the middle of March. So yeah, I guess we're we're a month in. So we're over a little over a month into this uh, stay-at-home stuff. This is like the make or break week, I think, like mentally, because now it's like hit us to where you and I, especially like Earl and I have done really good about like trying to stick to a routine of like 
we'll go on like 10 mile walks and stuff. But now we're even sick. We're not sick of each other. We're just sick of our home. We're sick of the walks. We, we've walked all over Los Angeles. And that's a lot. If like, it's just, I think that they're going back to modern warfare. <laughs> when you want like the way the military works, the reason boot camps exist and things like that is they break you down mentally. Like not only physically, the fourth to fifth week of any boot camp, uh, according to my family, who my brothers and stuff, is the hardest because that's when you're so mentally exhausted that that's when you 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 break. And that's the whole point of any military tactic is to mentally break you so then they can mold you. And I think that this quarantine is mentally fucking breaking everyone right now to where even with the quarantines up in July, everyone's going to be scared to do anything. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go anywhere. Well, uh, you know, I went to a Kiss concert uh, when they were starting to warn us to avoid crowds. I've made it out alive. And uh, and no, this is not a snuff film, James. <laughs> My uh, very funny New York comedy. Is that like a porn? Yeah, it's where uh, it's like a porn where they kill the person at the end. What the f- James what? Pontillo asking that Earl and I, Earl and I might start a, a f- uh fans only account where we post videos of ourselves so make uh, some money well people are just starting to run out of things to do run, run out of uh it's only so many things you can do when you're locked up at home and you can only watch so many netflix shows or amazon or hulu or you know we're just about to finish uh ozark uh, ozark i mean we have like eight more episodes in season three uh to go and and then you know it, it's like find another show i guess and uh do you think well see here's the other thing too like i'm on a discovery show right you saw me last year i was on a plane a different plane going to a different country or city every week for months so you can't i can't get like there are no flights available right now and there probably won't be so my theory is this is going to affect us for longer than a few months like Discovery is not going to pay for a whole crew to go to multiple countries after, especially with celebrities after this quarantine, because what if he gets sick in another country again and this starts all over? You know what I mean? mean, I'm like, I'm like, am I out of a job for a year now? I mean, nobody knows, you know, you know, if we're looking at May 15th at the earliest, then you know, you got to figure it'll take a couple weeks, maybe even a couple months for people to feel safe at, you know, venues and, you know, even supermarkets. Uh, you know, it's really just a wait and see uh, situation in terms of concerts and stuff. Like, I know the Killers were playing and I... Yeah, I'm missing my 1975 concert now next month. Yeah, and then the Guns N' Roses and the Killers were supposed to be I'm the so first... I'm so pissed. First couple concerts at the new SoCal. White. We were going to see Poison and Guns N' Roses. We were going to see in like a three-week time frame. Def Leppard. Uh, it was, I think, Guns N' Roses plays first, and then The Killers. And then September 5th, it was uh, Poison, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, and Joan Jett. 
but didn't we talk about seeing someone else in October too? Probably. Well, I know Kiss will probably. I mean, they'll never fucking. And like sports, you know. I mean, you've got the NFL season starts. Preseason starts in August. Hockey starts in September. Uh, you know, but you know, I think the NHL is trying to figure out a way to squeeze in a playoff what's, run. What's the what's baseball gonna do? I mean, baseball is probably have to be a. Uh, I mean, it it would be pretty cool if by like July they said, okay, you can go in a stadium or whatever. And baseball just had like a fifty game season. That way, for once in baseball, every fucking game would mean something. Yeah. Which is why football is so great. Because, like, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, or it doesn't really matter what team, but I'm a Steeler guy, if you lose your first three games, you're fucked. Yeah. Like, you have to, like, basically, you know, win, I don't know, 90% of your games going on because there's only 16 games. So that might be cool in baseball to see, like, a one special season how many games are in a season of baseball? Baseball normally it's 161, I think. I knew it was 100 and something. You think I'd know this? I work for Fox Sports. But. Might be 162, but uh, but like in half of the thing that sucks in baseball is that like if your team's out of it, you know, 50 games in, you kind of just are like, you know, you don't. What do you do? Like, you know, if your team sucks, you've got a hundred more games left and you know you're not going to win. It's just like your your enthusiasm goes down. The attendance drops for that team unless it's like a, a Yankees or. Uh, rank your rank your favorite sports. Like top five. Hockey, football, UFC. Um, and then like, you know, I'll watch like the Lakers every now and then. You know, I guess baseball and basketball. In that order? Yeah. I think the problem is baseball is just too long to get my attention. Like yeah. I said, like I've been an Angels fan for a very long time, and like they've been horrible the last few years. Like, so it's just like thirty games into the season, they're already twelve games under five hundred or whatever. It's like, oh, this is going to be another shitty season. Like that one game you and I went to, I went specifically to see Albert Pujols, who of course was scratched that game, uh, and Mike Trout. Yeah. So you could still go and see individual players, but like, you know, hockey is, I just still love it more than any other sport because they play with such uh, aggression and like. Uh, you have such interesting taste to be from LA. Like you're such an East Coaster. Well, like I've said many times before, because people always ask me, how the hell did you get into hockey living in Los Angeles and growing up in Bel Air? Because uh, we got the Ranger games on cable. Yeah. Because this is at a time where in L.A., the Kings were not very popular before Gretzky, even though they had really good teams, but nobody cared. It's just nobody cared. If you could live anywhere besides California, where would you live? Well, if you said you could do a rewind on your life and starting from the age of zero, you could be born and raised in another whatever, I would say Canada because I know I would have been an NHL player because I'm like, I'm the perfect size for an yeah. NHL player. Why didn't your parents put you in like Little League? Wasn't, hockey wasn't big in, in California. Like Why when, in your 20s didn't you move to Canada? Well, I didn't really enjoy playing until I, I ball hockey was like my There's introduction into hockey. There's still time. You could do it. No. I mean, look at this guy that literally, like, he'll probably have beers for the rest of his life for free for the in uh, Toronto. 
Was it Toronto? Oh yeah, the goal. No, you're talking about the goaltender. Uh, but he has played hockey. Like he was a good goalie, just not good enough. You don't know. I mean, playing the NHL, he was not you? good enough. Can you skate? Uh, not really. I used to take lessons, and my skating instructor, who was he, he trained Olympians mm-hmm. in ice skating, not hockey. He's like, Earl, I love you, but you skate like Mick Jagger walks. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what's crazy? So I because I would take steps. I wouldn't glide. Yeah, you don't know how to. I would literally step on the ice and push myself forward. Um, did you know I've never been ice skating? But you'd be good at it though, because your legs are short and powerful. Like I have good balance. Well, because so. like I've never been, I've never been snow skiing because I grew up in the south. But I've been water skiing because I grew up on a lake, and I'm really good at balance because I can wakeboard and water ski. But my, I feel like I would be good at ice skating because I can rollerblade and and roller skate really well. Because my dad taught me how when I was really young because he used to work at a roller skating rink in the 80s when he was like younger and uh, that's where he met my mom so right. we used to go all the time and so I can I can roller skate backwards and do all kinds of stuff I'm but I'm terrified to ice skate like terrified it's very tough I mean uh, I'm scared no I'm scared if I fall someone's gonna run over my fingers and cut my fingers off well that could happen I mean uh, that's literally one of my biggest fears by the way John is asking uh, we're doing a Facebook live too for you guys just listening uh, on Apple podcast uh, what position would I have played uh, well uh, I'm like Ilya Kovalchuk John I'm a rover I could play all over uh, unfortunately there's not a position in hockey called rover so uh but well, but I, I went skiing probably like fifteen times in my life, uh, and I was pretty good at it because but, I had good balance. But the thing, and I think that this has to do with natural, like your natural physique. Like I think, for instance, someone like Johnny Menzel, right? He was born and bred to be a football player. He was athletic, but his parents put him in every camp possible up until college. So, like, when he was that good, you're like, yeah, he should be that good because his parents had the fucking money to make him that good. But then there's kids that are just naturally gift, like, physically gifted at sports. Like, my older brother, we went to a few good camps that my parents could afford, but he's... Him and even Seth, my younger brother that's in the military, they are naturally athletic, like natural athletes. Because my mom played tennis and my dad played baseball in college. And so my little brother got a swimming scholarship he didn't take because he went in the Air Force. My older brother had a baseball and basketball scholarship. And then I got a soccer one. And I think it's and I think you're the same way where if I had tried more at sports, I would have been better. But I'm physically athletic, just like you're built pretty proportionate for a man that you're like physically. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Speaking of a man, we have a former NHL player right now in the Facebook live chat. The legendary enforcer Roger Maxwell played with the Boston Bruins, the Long Beach Ice Dogs. It'd take me an hour to name all the teams Roger played for. One of my favorite players uh, has a child. Uh, welcome, Roger. What I, up? I'm sure you're on an oil rig right now, uh, 
doing your thing, but uh, oil rigs are hard. Oh yeah, I mean that's why. Uh, when, but a lot of hockey players in the off season work uh, on oil work rigs. On rigs, like my Roger uh, does. Uh, my friend Curtis Swanson. You know uh, the movie I did, Deepwater Horizon, about the oil rig that blew up. Right. We before we were allowed to even do the movie, you had to sit through this like two hour seminar and learn all the terms and like roughnecks and everything because it was like to a certain extent like a safety thing and when i found out all the shit they have to do on oil rigs i was like fuck this i would never uh, it's scary well it's like if something it's goes dangerous. wrong you're literally in the middle of the fucking ocean so you're kind of on your own and if like, there's a fire you're in the middle of the ocean with oil flammable shit yeah and by the time uh, like the, not to uh, scare anyone the land police or land ambulance comes, you're probably a whale bait. Yeah. Uh, so the great Robin Tran, Roast Battle's favorite Robin Tran, uh, who Robin. beat me at Clusterfest, you bitch. No, I'm just kidding. Robin and I are homies. Very funny comic. Got an hour special that's out. Uh, Robin, let me know how people can find it. And uh, so... A lot of people are asking me, what are you and Chandler doing to kill boredom uh, other than watch Ozark? Uh, I decided to show Chandler some films from the 80s. Yeah. And the uh, first film was uh, a film that means a lot to me to this day because I identify with both lead characters. It's called My Bodyguard. We kept calling him Big Earl and Little Earl. Because for those of you who have never seen My Bodyguard, it came out in 1980. It's a story about a kid named Chris Makepeace, who was also in Meatballs, and he was like a very accomplished child actor. Uh, he gets bullied in school by Matt Dillon. Yes, the Matt Dillon. He was so hot in the 80s. So he hires Adam Baldwin, who's like this gigantic teenager. Not to, related to the Aldwin, Baldwin brothers. No, he, he actually can act. Uh, and Adam Baldwin is like, he should be more famous just because he he's a very good actor. But he, like, if you see his face, you're like, okay, I've seen this guy and that. Or he was in one of my favorite one season TV shows ever uh, called The Inside, which was a uh, show on Fox. Of course, it was on Fox. Uh where was a female profiler of serial killers and it was just too dark if fx would have been around it would have killed it on fx ryan but, murphy uh it didn't yeah if ryan murphy uh got it on fx or fxx it, it'd be on like five or six seasons but it did not but adam baldwin was in that and uh you know i wanted chandler to because uh, chandler's a big john hughes fan and although this is not a john hughes film it, it's got a very John Hughes. Uh, it's that teen eighties vibe. Yeah, of angst. like grow like a coming of age story. John Hughes is all coming of age. But I really uh, love that uh, movie because that was me in like high school. Uh, Chris make peace. Uh, kind of the not a loser, but like you're shy. You're not really the hippest dude in school. You weren't a loser. You told me you were popular. Well, I was class clown popular. Did you get a, a superlative? Uh, like most likely to type of thing? Uh, I was. I didn't. I don't think it was most likely to be a comedian, but it was something along the lines of uh, most likely to make someone laugh. Or, That's what I got. Uh, something. Uh, but I also identified with Adam Baldwin's character, who was just like this quiet giant. 
because I've said this, I'm not that big of a guy now. You know, I'm like maybe 6'2", 200 pounds. But I've literally been uh, this size since the fourth grade. There's pictures of you in your baby crib when you're like three and you're literally the size of your mom. Uh, and once again, the film is My Bodyguard. Uh, it, it's on Amazon. It's like three bucks to rent or something. Yeah, it's really good, though. Uh, it's cute. And it's got Ruth Gordon in it, who reminded me a lot of my mom. Uh, she's like a legendary actress, but like you, anyone that's probably 50 and under would recognize her as the mom, Clint Eastwood's mom in the uh, the two orangutan movies he did. Uh any which way uh, but loose, but loose. And, uh, every which way you can. Any which way but loose. So, uh, but it's a really good movie and, and you know, it, it's, does it stand up in 2020? I mean, it's 40 years old, so it's a little. Uh, Cheesy. Yeah, it's 80s cheese. But, you know, if you consider the movie was probably made in 79, released in 80, uh, it holds up pretty good. I mean, uh, put it this way. All the people look like they were in high school. Do you want me to name your doppelgangers from movies? But it was also, uh, while we're on the subject of my bodyguard, Joan Cusack's first film, uh, John Cusack's uh, sister. Was and, that her first film or was 16 Candles? Oh, oh, that's 16 Candles was like four years later. Oh. Uh, and Jennifer Beals had, uh, you know, from Flashdance and, and many, many... Uh, TV shows and movies. She was in the movie. She was like me and I'm dying up here. She was in like a lot of the scenes, but didn't have any lines. That was her first movie as well. So, uh, you know, hey, you take it. Al Sims in the motherfucking house. So, uh, who is my doppelganger? Okay, here's your doppelgangers. The kid from my bodyguard. The Both of them. Adam Baldwin and the other one. Um, what's the guy's name in Thief? Oh, James Conn. James Conn and Thief. Also in 1980. I think you look exactly like him. Like, the a little different in the eyes, but that is your, ult that's the number one doctor. He's a little hairier than I am. If you've ever seen James Conn without a shirt on, well. uh, he's very hairy. He's got like the sweater hair. Uh, but he also my neighbor growing up in Bel Air. So and then I think Robert De Niro in Casino. Yeah. And I also think there's two more: Ben Affleck and Bill Hader in it too. Not in any other, but in it too. Bill Hader. Well, I really get Ben Affleck in Boiler Room, which is a uh, kind of a. Uh, independent uh small budget film where he played the fun uh, fact my old boss did that movie produced it i love boiler room i wish it were bigger uh jeremy paul there's no subject right now we're just talking about 80s movies doppelgangers and, you know who i look like uh, but uh, if you watch boiler room in the uh the one i think it's one of the two scenes Ben Affleck was in, you know, it was a bit of a scam. They put his name first in the movie poster, but he was in like two scenes. That's how uh, you do it, man. Yeah, Welcome I get to it. Hollywood. It's like Steven Seagal, uh, one of the great examples of putting someone's name in the front of the credits, but they really weren't in the movie that much. As if you've ever seen the uh, Kurt Russell movie, Executive Decision, uh, Steven Seagal's name is first on the movie poster and the credits, but he was literally killed five minutes into the film. Some might say it's his best movie. Because mm. uh, apparently, 
That's an interesting uh, movie in terms of how they made it because uh, if you watch that movie, and I know you haven't seen it yet, but uh, John Leguizamo has a lot of the lines, and it didn't really make sense because he was just like a basically a sixth character on the uh, the rescue. Did team. he pay for the movie? No, apparently Seagal was supposed to be that guy. And he was such a dick that they said, you're out. We're going to kill you, <laughs> you know. Oh, shit. So if you've ever watched Executive Decision, and it's on a fair amount. It's like a guilty pleasure movie. Uh, you know, it's the typical Arab. And it, it was made before 9-11, so it kind of is a little spooky. Uh, but it's Arab terrorist. Uh, you know, they take over plane. Kurt Russell sends a SEAL team on board mid-flight, which is a little unbelievable, but it's it's a Joel Silver movie. Uh, Joel Silver also is, because he, so my boss, who I was the original assistant for, who's a producer when I was younger, she was Joel Silver's assistant. Joel Silver is like the worst person on the face of the earth and had two assistants commit suicide. By the way, Joel Silver, I'm a fan. So the views. <laughs> I mean, no doubt he makes good movies, but he's a fucking asshole. The views of uh, Chandler Barbie are hers and hers alone. Because It's been, not views, it's facts. Well, I've been trying to get you on the podcast. I'm assuming Joel Silver. Have you Silver, really? Well, he made. Uh, I could 100% probably pull that off for you. Joel Silver made The Warriors with Walter Hill. This uh, is so funny. And um, what I, I want to say, he was a co like off the books producer director on my favorite war movie of all time. And I know people are going to be like, what apocalypse now platoon. I like off the board. Saving private, saving private Ryan, uh, no, same private Ryan, <laughs> uh, hamburger Hill. Uh, my favorite war movie is a Gene Hackman movie. Uh, I love Gene Hackman. It, it pains me that he's, most likely going to die soon just because he's literally like i think he's like 89 years old he's retired from acting which is like you see all the is shit that willy wonka no that's uh wilder oh okay uh, but gene hackman's like a poseidon adventure uh french connection like but he did a movie in 1983 uh it was patrick swayze's first film i believe yummy, yummy, yummy. i don't count greece because he was an extra in greece uh, Patrick Swayze was in Greece. If you watch the dance scene, it's kind of like Jennifer Beals and My Bodyguard. There's the scene where they sing Grease Lightning. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, go Grease Lightning. You're burning up the quarter mile. Grease Lightning. Go Grease Lightning. Patrick Swayze is one of the dancers in that scene. How funny is that? And then he got dirty dancing. Right. Ooh, he was so hot. R.I.P., man. Uh, so it was his first, I think, feature, uh, like where he like was in a movie, uh, Tex Cobb, my favorite boxer of all time. She's uh, like the wind. Sorry. Uh, he's in the movie. Fred Ward, great character actor. Red Brown. Uh, I don't know who any of these people for those, are. You know who Tex Cobb is? The guy that. I know who Tex Cobb is because we watched the. Raising Arizona. Wrestling thing. Yeah. And Raising Arizona. He's a great character Ooh. actor, although I don't know if he acts, uh anymore he he first became famous by taking on the heavyweight champ at the time larry holmes literally not throwing a single punch the whole fight he just it was like rocky he wanted to see if he could last against the champ and he got beaten up so badly that howard cosell quit announcing fighting because he said i can't take this uh, and then he became an actor 
uh it's called uncommon valor so uh you know i love i love me some gene hackman robert stacks and it's a great cast but it uh joel silver was like off the books i think helping with that movie uh well joel silver made it, everything happen in the 80s so makes sense but uh an executive decision he uh you, you know it, it's like a wacky terrorist you know kurt russell saves the day but apparently uh, seagal was so out of control that they killed him and 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 gave it like his lines to John Leguizamo, which it didn't really like make sense. It didn't add up. You're like, why is this guy who's like fifth guy on this rescue team having all these great lines? And then, you know, that's the wonderful Good for him though. Well, it kind of reminds I'm, I'm a fan of how certain films are made. Like I'm going to try and get you to sit through the game of death, which is, uh, I don't think you would like the movie per se, but as a producer, director, writer, a creator of content such as you, uh, that was the movie that Bruce Lee died. Um, While they're filming, oh but, yeah, I've heard about it. So, like he, they were filming this in 1973. I think it was after Enter the Dragon, which was like the Star Wars of karate movies. Mm-hmm. And then so Game of Death was the next movie. He dies 10 minutes into filming it. So all they have in Game of Death is 10 minutes of Bruce Lee. Someone wanting to make a buck off of his death in 1979 says, let's finish the movie. And it's like, well, how are you going to finish it with, you know? And so they hired someone who looked like Bruce Lee. They had cardboard cutouts of Bruce Lee's face. Um, they had all these elaborate for the time methods of, and they finished the movie. That's common. That, like I, so I was on, well, it was tough for like a year for me in film because I was on fast seven when, uh, Paul, Paul di- yeah, Paul Walker died. Then I was on hunger games when, uh, what's his face died. I went over to I'm, forget- I'm blanking on his name. Keith Ledger? No. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. We were in the middle of filming when he died. And then I did Alice in Wonderland the next year that uh, Rickman died on. Alan Rickman. Yeah. From uh, Die Hard and many other things. And I remember when Al Rickman died, I was in the car with my boss. And she, she like gets a call and she finds out. And then her first words after that was... Fuck, how are we going to finish the movie? Well, I'm, I'm getting a question from my friend Cara, who I took to her prom. Uh, she is asking how old my guest is. <laughs> She's 27, Cara. I'm not, uh, I'm not Jerry Sandusky here. She just, uh, when she has no makeup on, she looks incredibly young. But uh, unlike some of my L.A. comedy comrades, uh, Chandler is above 18. So uh, thank you uh, for the question. You took this girl to prom? Yeah. Mm. so uh and we had a good time and uh i think uh i'm not sure what happened to her her i'm sure i was like seventh on the list of uh potential prom dates but uh uh cara and i worked at the sports connection in santa monica thank you you had a job in high school uh well uh, this is like 91 92 ish so you took a, a high school at a prom and you were out of school yeah, man. Ugh, I mean, scandalous. This Dirty. Was, uh, you know, Bakar and I are still homies uh, to this day. And uh, 
I'm sorry for being such a bad prom date, but uh, we're still friends. We're still alive. But uh, getting back to Game of Death, uh, you know, one of the, the 10 minutes of fight scenes, the whole point of the movie was Bruce Lee, you know, he's a karate guy. Yeah. And he wanted to prove uh, karate was like the best art form. So he had this elaborate fight scene where he walks up a five-story building. Yeah. And each story is a different fighting art. So the first guy is nunchucks. The second guy is like more of a wrestler. The third guy is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And they have a great fight scene with Kareem, who's 7'2". And this is a guy that's not Bruce Lee. No, this is the 10 minutes that they had. Oh, okay. Uh, so the rest of the film is cardboard cutouts. And, and How did he die? Um, he died uh, of a brain aneurysm. But, uh, you know, there was, uh, you, you know, there's all, it's like Elvis. They, they have conspiracy How theories. do you think you're going to die? Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, my heart's in good shape. Uh, who knows? I don't think about it, really, to be honest with you. Mm. Um you know, uh, I don't want to know. So, uh, you know, in, in LA, I'd probably say a car crash, uh, just the way these animals drive here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, a game of death is another, uh, movie. Uh, might be a good quarantine movie for us to see. Did you finish drive? I did. I, and Chandler made, not made me, but Chandler wanted me to watch drive. Yeah, I was watching it, and then you got interested halfway through, so you kind of watched it out of order. But well, I fi- I rewatched it from the beginning, and uh, you know it, it's because uh, you love Michael Mann. I'm a huge Michael, and Mann I guy. like Michael Mann. But my favorite director is Nicholas Wan and Refren, who whose inspiration is Michael Mann. So I like my, my generation's version of Michael Mann. He shoots at night. He does. He's a very neon lights uh, director. And the interesting thing is he's colorblind. So it's cool how he shoots all in neon lights, but he's colorblind. He can't see. Yeah. And if you, you know, uh, which is the cool thing that young directors like, you know, Michael Mann, I'm sure liked someone before him and, uh, you know it's it, just it's because it, it, a lot of people gave todd phillips shit saying he was c- copying michael mann christopher nolan copied directors too for dark knight but I, I don't think there's anything wrong with new directors paying tribute to old directors because that's the style you like you just have to make it your own because quentin tarantino c- copies so many directors from the old westerns but he makes it his own you know well, everyone copies from everyone, whether you're a director. There's not that many styles of movies out there. Yeah, I mean, whether you're a director, or, you know, uh, or a comic, uh, you know, I mean, I would say I kind of resemble Robert Schimmel, Stephen Wright. You know, Mitch Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg, little Jeselnik. I'm not copying them, but it's just you're influenced by them. It's a niche. Yeah, and like... Uh, it's your vibe. Yeah, you have... Uh, Chandler is a very talented UCB improver. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name's Chandler, Cara. Uh, but but I'm sure you're influenced by... Uh, yeah, I'm very... Like, I've been told that my style is very, like, Aubrey Plaza. Um, 
I get Kristen Wiig occasionally, but it's just it's just your stock. Like Gilda Radner, I was obsessed with her growing up, so I think it plays a part in how you do your comedy. But I also feel like when you have a certain, I guess, vibe to your art, it's good that people, because when I sell a show, when we go on a meeting or something, it's always good for me to say, this is something people haven't seen, but it's like this and this put together. Because then it lets you, if you like those two things, you're going to be like, oh, I then I would like that. So I think for you to build a good fan base, you need to be a mixture of your, of who, who you like so that their fans will like you. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Oh yeah. I mean, it, it goes, especially in music. You Cause know. I feel like most people who like you probably like Anthony Jeselnik. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm like a dumber version of him and I don't mean that as an insult toward me, but like he, you're like Mark Maron mixed with Anthony Jeselnik, right. I think. But I'm not ripping them off. I'm just, you know, I've watched them a lot. I mean, Jeselnik was the last special I ever watched. uh, Or not ever, but Jeselnik's last special was the the last one I've watched from beginning to end. I was like, at first I had it on as background noise, and then I was like, wow, this is really good. And then I watched the whole thing. Uh, Yeah. And Robert Schimmel is a a big influence on me. And and younger people probably have never heard of him, which is really sad, but... uh, you know, Greg Giraldo is another one. Like, uh, and then I go way back with like Foster Brooks and Don Rickles, and, and uh, you know the golden age of roasting. You know, Jeff Ross was probably influenced by Don Rickles. Uh, so I mean, every you know, music it's just uh, equally as uh, evident. Like, well, Lady Gaga is influenced by Madonna and but if you Mick look Jagger at- and Harry Styles is influenced by Fleetwood Mac and. You know. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Lady Gaga and then you look at uh, this 1980s band, Missing Persons, where the the lead singer was a female, uh, the the female uh, her, uh, Dale Bozio, mm-hmm. it, it's like you think you're watching Lady Gaga. Like I'm not saying she, she definitely uh, was influenced. I don't want to say borrowed, but you know, if you watch any Missing Persons video, you're like, that's Lady Gaga. But I think it's the same with fashion. I mean, we're both influenced by certain fashion. I think it's a mixture. The What makes a person is who they're influenced by, meaning I'm influenced by this type of fashion, this type of comedy, and this type of music. They're all very different, but they make me unique. And like my best, one of my best friends, Gabby, we have similar tastes in music. We have similar taste in comedy, but we have completely different taste in fashion. So that's why she's different, you know? Like it we're I don't know what I'm saying. No, I mean like I try and dress right now like all four members of the killers. Yeah. Like I love uh Brandon the singer. Like Brandon, like I know him. Uh you know, the singer from the killers dresses usually in all black. Uh, I think you're like me where you go through like like phases. Yeah, or like the, the drummer in The Killers is, is like you can't really see what pants he's wearing, but like he's usually wearing like a black T-shirt and uh, yeah, know, the guitar player, uh, the OG guitar player, he's usually got like some funky coat on and the well, bass player's got like a T-shirt and, you know, corduroy pants on. Well, that's like last uh, fall when I decided to dress like Sharon Tate. 
just because I liked her fashion off all. Yeah, I mean, the point is we all rip each other off like, or borrow or influence. You know, of course, I'll talk about, uh, you know, my favorite boy band of all time, the Click Five. If you listen to a Click Five song, and I know Cara, I might be talking your business right now. Uh, they were obviously influenced by the Cars. Uh, and, yeah. You know, a little bit of Kiss. And... Uh, Eleanor Kerrigan's watching uh, Dice What Clay. up, Eleanor? Well, speaking of like being influenced, you know how many uh, she opens up for Dice uh, in comedy, that is. Hey, uh, how many comics have been uh, influenced or uh, was Dice an influence on, you know? Yeah. Pretty much everyone at the comedy store. Uh, so. Um, you know, in Kenneth and Well, that's just like Bill Mer Murray was one of the first that was on SNL and was a great comic and went on to do big movies and then flipped over and was doing very serious roles. So it showed so many sketch and improv comedic actors that you can do serious roles too. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? mean? Oh, I love Bill It's a big Murray. influence. Uh, He's an Caddyshack. asshole, apparently. Well, that's why I never want to meet anyone I like. Like, yeah. but I mean, sometimes you meet them and it works out. Like, you know, I've become uh, oh, bizarre friends with the singer from Bowling for Soup, uh, Jared, and the guy can't be any nicer. Uh, Stephen Piercy from Rat can't be any nicer. Uh, well, that's like I grew up watching Joel McHale on the Soup, and I loved his like because I have very like sarcastic asshole humor, very dry and witty witty humor and um that's what he is and i always was afraid to meet him because i thought he was like his character but he's so nice and so we get along really well because we're very similar in comedy style yeah and then so you know, of course you meet some i certainly met comics that i liked and it's like oh man they're kind of a dick what a yeah uh, that's how i felt when i met you but well you know I, i'm my fans love me anyone who meets Earl is very some of your fans don't love me they're mean to me well you know some fans uh you know um you know they just like the band or the comic they like you know how many times have i gone to see kiss and there was a great opening band i mean they they were really good it's like i want to see kiss man no no offense guys but let's wrap it up and are you saying i'm the opening band to kiss let's see the bombs and explosions uh, so you know, like my comedy fans are like, "Oh, she's great," but we want Earl. You know, what just, the fuck? I'm just telling you what they think, and then like your fans. And you, you, so you, when they, so when they tweet, when I'm tweeting to my fans, and they tweet to me, "Shut up, child bride." But like your TikTok fans, you know, your Chandler's for those of you listening. Hopefully, it's a lot in the thousands. A uh, Chandler's on TikTok. But uh, uh, was it Chan Barbie? Yeah, it's my that's my nickname. B A R B E E. Uh, like her fans probably are like, why is this old guy talking so much? Shut up, we want to hear Chandler. Yeah, so it I'm works on out. TikTok Live right now. Say hi to my fans. Yeah, Chandler's on TikTok right now. I'm on Facebook Live. Of course, we're gonna cut the Facebook uh, Live off uh, soon. So, uh, you know, if you guys watch it all on Facebook, you're not gonna listen to it on Apple Podcast or so Spotify. Yeah, or Spotify. Or I, I don't think I'm on Spotify. Oh. Uh, or, or SoundCloud. You know, some people don't do uh, the uh, Steve Jobs corporate m uh, monster of Apple. Uh, that's okay. SoundCloud's for you guys. And uh, I'm not on Stitcher or the, uh, I think, Podbean or whatever the other uh, 
Yeah. You know, there's like a lot there's of... too many, man. Just stick to what you know. Well, I know Stitcher's a big one. And obviously Spotify's... I don't think anything will ever overtake Apple Podcasts. Uh, yeah. That's like the Billboard top charts. It's like there's Billboard and then I don't know what the second chart is, but everyone... Well, people go by the, those numbers because yeah. it's so well known. People go on Apple Podcasts and... uh you, you know, certainly when I was at the top of the charts and uh, Apple Pod or iTunes comedy back in the day, uh, I was getting offers to tour uh, just because the numbers were so good. What's wrong with you? Why don't you do that? It's good money. Oh, I know. Uh, I'm not sure what happens. Maybe so. we should get the, get the numbers back up so we can go on tour. So oh, we can I get mean, a fat daddy house. Well, I think someone uh, reported me for uh, a music violation, uh, which I... Uh, I I only do the one song, Stevie Stevie Rochelle's band Tough, the song Forever Yours. He's he's given me the permission. But uh, you know, I was number eight one day in iTunes comedy, and then uh, I haven't been on the charts since. So uh oh my god, we've got several of my old employees in Facebook live chat right now. Cezan Yomazo used to be my roommate. They were your employees? My no, I mean we were coworkers. Oh. Uh, she uh, Cezanne was my roommate in, at the Century City pad, and then she got married to Jason. You uh, lived with a girl. Yeah, it was strictly platonic. <laughs> she never saw my pee pee, and I never saw any of her uh, areas. So uh, we're gonna cut the uh, Facebook live now. So if you like this, and I know you guys are, there's like 20 people right now listening. Tomorrow, you got to listen on an Apple podcast. So I love you all. Don't Carl. worry, I'm 27. Yeah, Chandler's of age, you know, and a lot of people uh, are worried about um, the age difference. You know, I'm 51, she's 27. But, uh, you know, listen, I'm like Ric Flair. I'm, we're both like Space Mountain at Disneyland, the oldest ride in the park with the longest line, baby. So uh, and I'm like Space Mountain in that it's a fun roller coaster, but you're always in the dark when I'm gonna drop. <laughs> yeah, and you'll probably sit in gum at some point. So uh, we're gonna talk a little bit more about the movie, uh, the second movie uh, Chandler and I uh, watched, uh, the '80s Jim with Craig Shepper, uh, who was uh, like the uh, he was hot. He, he was, was the, so hot. The '80s bad guy in a lot of films, some kind of wonderful. Uh, I made Chandler watch Fire with Fire, which is another angst '80s movie, and uh, I hope you like it. Uh, what did you? Uh, that was another movie where we um, delve into the classic uh, boy girl, boy meets girl. Boy's yeah. kind of a lone wolf. She's the goody two shoes. 80s. It was good. It was very predictable. You hate it because I can literally guess a movie within two minutes. I think you made the mistake though. You showed me the commercial, the trailer for the movie before you watched it, and it told me the whole movie. But I did like it just because, like, it was just a, a teen love story, but. The dude was like, both of them were so, because this is before like plastic surgery was like a big thing and stuff. Both of them were so incredibly good looking for their age. Like she was gorgeous. And by she, she looked, we're talking about Virginia Madsen. She looked like an angel. 
blue eyes, blonde hair, uh, you know, kind of big lips, perfect skin. Yeah, just like that porcelain, pretty skin. And then he was just like rugged and great jawline and so handsome. Had but he was so good looking. Chin. He had a unibrow and he was still good he was looking. Still was that a thing in the 80s? Because I've noticed unibrows and big tits with no asses was like the 80s thing. I mean, I think, uh, you know, like if you look at another 80s movie, Can't Buy Me Love, uh, you know, I would say, uh, you know, the girls said, well, I mean, they were supposed to be in high school. I don't know if any of them were in high school at the time. Uh, Amanda Peterson kind of had big boobs. and, and All 80s women do. That's like a thing. Like, and any guy who grew up in the 80s loves blonde chicks with tits, big tits. They don't care about asses. But if you ask any guy... If you ask any guy who grew up in like the 90s, early 2000s, they like skinny, skinny, skinny girls because that's when like Kate Moss and stuff was big. And if you like any guy nowadays, they like curvy girls with big asses because like Kim Kardashian and shit is in style. Well, yeah, it's like in the 80s, uh, I, I think, you know, bodybuilding was popular. So, you know, you know, I, I think... Uh, a large portion of the female population, like, like gigantic dudes, you, you know, Ugh. uh, and then the nineties, you know, with grunge and, you know, like if you look like you played in Weezer, you could probably do pretty well with chicks. Now it's like skater looking boys. Yeah. Like uh, Paul British. Walker. Like, uh, no, not Paul Walker, but like Paul Walker was a pretty, like Harry like styles, like guys who are like very meta. But Paul Walker's, I mean that like when he was alive, like he had that surfer. That's early 2000s. Right. And then That's now. Now it's like Harry Style. It's like Brandon British. Flowers. It's like, yeah, it's like guys who look British. Jimmy Carr. Yeah, you know, exactly. You, uh, you know, you know, Jimmy's, uh, I think Jimmy's around my age. Uh, you know, he's. Uh, Timothy Chalmay. Do you know who that is? I don't. He was the leading Call Me By Your Name, which I know you didn't see. I did not. It, he was in Little Women. Didn't see it. He was in Ladybird. You did not see. Didn't see. <laughs> well, he's like very skinny. And I'm sure white. he is. Girls love skinny boys now. But also older guys now, I think, are in vain. Like Jason Bateman. Now, sure, it helps. He's on a, the the. Oh yeah, he's very in style. But like, like he's like on the biggest show on Netflix right now. So I'm sure, other than Joe Exotic, uh, but like an older guy who's kept like Jason Bateman looks really good. Yeah. Um, or like John Stamos. John Stamos. He's always in style. Pussy when he's 90. He's, you know, him and his wife have the same age difference we have. Yeah. I mean, and he had his first baby at like 54. Don't, yeah. I mean, you know, that's, you know, he lived a good life and was ready to settle down. She, apparently, she like, because my friends are friends with her, she like whipped him into shape, man. She was like, your Playboy days are over if you want to keep me around. He felt hard for her. I mean, I was on a Vails uh, for a commercial with John Stamos. I actually got to do the audition with him for uh, Oikos. Uh, what is it? Yogurt? Mm-hmm. Is it Oikos? I don't know how you say it, but it's the Greek yogurt. Yeah, it's the Greek yogurt. And the, the uh, I'll never forget the, the idea of the commercial is... Uh, there's this really hot girl sitting in the middle seat. I sit down and she looks horrified. And then John Stamos sits down with Oikos yogurt and like, you know, that's the whole point. Mm. Uh, so, uh, you know, it was, he was a cool guy, you know. I mean, he's lived a charm life. 
Yeah. Talented actor, musician. He, I, think, la, 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 la. I think he drummed for the Beach Boys at certain points. Yeah, he played the guitar. I think he was a drummer, at least for oh. the Beach Boys. I know he went. He loves them, man. He's such a rock and roller. Yeah, They're like uh, his rat. Yeah. He loves the Beach Boys. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's basically what me and Chandler have been doing, watching old movies from the 80s. And uh, she's been culturing me with uh, like a movie like Drive, which I liked. Uh, yeah, because it we had uh, Cheer had Ron Perlman in it. Uh, we yeah we watched Cheer the documentary on uh, a Texas junior college cheerleading uh, franchise. Yeah, we're gonna spoil it, but I just want to talk about this real quick. You know the blonde girl at the end, how she's she got kicked. Oh fuck, she got kicked off the team. The blonde cheerleader. Yeah. Well, she. And then she was like, I just think it's, I'm going to make good decisions. And then it showed her at a rave and stuff. I was like, oh, you are not making good decisions. We all saw this coming. But apparently she's back on the team. So I think because the Netflix show did so good, they were like, get your shit back together. Well, yeah, I mean, that. well, that's a tough, uh, you know, cheerleading uh, is like a tough, uh, it's like a weird thing to go through because you know there's no professional cheerleading like you're basically you know when those kids from uh what was the name of the school navarro when you're uh what well, that's weird because it's the same uh name as, as the, the cartel as the cartel and the ozark but like after you leave navarro cheerleading you're done like yeah. there's no like and it's two years it's a junior college yeah so it's it's like uh being a college wrestler like and the thing is is i've had friends that were like clippers cheerleaders and first of all if once you finish like at usa or wherever you cheer your career is virtually done you've spent your whole life getting to this point to be like an ultimate cheerleader for like a school and then you your body's fucked at that point and you have no you have nothing else to do unless you open a gym you can do professional cheerleading, which is uh, for a sports team like the the Clipper girls or the Laker girls or, you know, the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. But apparently they pay terrible. Like it's still hard on your body. You practice all the time. You have to do all these campaigns, but you don't get paid a lot. Like I think it's 30 grand a year or something like that. And you cannot if you fraternize with the team you get kicked off immediately. Like if you fuck any of the players, trust me, that rule gets, they're very good. At, at oh, both I know sides. it gets broken, but you're not supposed to. And then, so a lot of my friends who are Clippers girls, they're like, I have to, their whole motive is to get, um, Instagram famous. So they'll promote themselves so that they can get brand deals and become an Instagram model that way. Because if not, they like don't have anything else to do. Well, yeah, it's like um, being a college wrestler has a male or, or a female, but I mean, just using the male uh, model as an example, like, you know, for four years, you can bust your ass as a wrestler. And, and then, you know, the only really uh, opportunity for you is to, to go into phony wrestling, you yeah. know, uh, WWE or, uh, or you can do UFC, MMA. There's more than UFC, but like it's pretty much UFC. Uh, but like it, that's a very so. But I mean, cheerleading, they, they have. I mean, you're done. Like, it's like gymnasts. Like my best friend Chelsea, 
she was a elite gymnast um, from the age like nine. She's homeschooled all the way to her senior year. And she was, she had a scholarship to a college and was like on schedule to go to the Olympics and a warm up meet. She was warming up on the beam or the pole or whatever and landed wrong and broke both of her feet. And she said, she just remembers laying there crying because she didn't feel the pain she just knew that her career was over in that moment and it was she could never do gymnastics again so she had dedicated 10 years of her life to something that was over in two seconds yeah it's like uh you know and if you watch the uh the documentary uh cherry you see it's like six or seven episodes of about an hour each and it takes you through uh, the run up to the national cheerleading championships. And was it uh, Daytona? Mm -hmm. Uh, And you see like the crazy amount of work they do. And and then, you know. For stunning and stuff. And then someone brought up a point on my live said, even in professional cheerleading, once you go professional, it's more dancing than stunts anyway. So you're, you're only doing stunts for college and it's for what a trophy. Yeah, I don't even think, uh, you know, like the Dallas Cowboys or any NFL team's uh, cheerleaders, I think you literally get like 200 bucks a game. I don't even yeah. know if it's that much. It's Yeah, it's... And you think, wow, that's a lot of money, but there's only eight home games. And the thing is, too, is if you do a campaign like for Pepsi or something, you don't get paid, the team gets paid. They yeah. like rent you, so, so you, you don't get paid for that. So there's eight home games. Uh, you figure maybe two if like you're the Patriots and you get home field advantage. So you're getting, you know, maybe five grand a year. Yeah. So good luck. You probably make more money being the mascot. Yeah. I mean, good luck living on that. So, uh, you know, it's just uh, some of these documentaries uh, are real eye openers into, uh, you know, you watch an NFL game and you think, oh, these cheerleaders are in a packed stadium with, uh, you know, 80,000 people, but then you don't realize they're getting paid 200 bucks, you know, and that's it. And, you know, it, uh, you know, to be an NFL cheerleader, you have to really put a lot of effort into it, not just learning the routines, but the minute you gain five pounds, you're gone. You know, they might not, Say they're cutting you because you're fat or you're overweight, but just because they don't want to get sued, but you will. Uh, and so, you know, they might say it. Yeah, but they're not going to come out and, you know, they could get sued for discrimination. Oh, They'll yeah. come up with a creative way of saying, hey, uh, Jennifer, you've uh, you put on some poundage. Your dress seems a little tighter than it used to be. Are you okay? But that's why a lot of the cheerleaders, that's why they made the rule like you can't fraternize with the players because a lot of the cheerleaders knew that and they would try to get pregnant by one of the players because then they'd be set for life. So, Like that would be my only motivation to doing it. Well, I just don't, you know, after watching that documentary, it's like why would you guys ruin your bodies Uh doing this especially if you're a dude cheerleader like like what's the future for them yeah outside of teaching uh, yeah can't pay that much uh not that you do everything for money but you gotta live like i get i get cheering to go i get in this day and age it's so hard to not be in college debt 
and I get doing a sport to get a free education, but that's it. Like, that's the only reason. Because it's like, it'd be cool to win cheerleading championships, yeah, but wouldn't you rather go to a top school and just cheer there and have a free education than cheer at a junior college and win trophies? I don't know. Well, I mean, it's just like if you at least if you play football or basketball or baseball in, in college or, you know, if you're if you're in Canada and, you know, you're playing hockey, you can say, well, I could get to the NHL and make millions. I could get, you know, to the NFL and, and, and make millions. Uh, but I just I, I don't. I just don't understand how you could put your body through that what's, knowing that it's basically it's a two-year deal and then after that you're done what sport would you want our kid to play uh i well yeah i'm a hockey guy so uh but you know let's say our, our kid our son's six years old and they want to play a sport and they're like they come to you and they're like daddy i want to play a sport and i'm like sure and, and as their mom i'm like sure they need to get out of the house they need to socialize just pick them a sport. I don't care. What would you pick? Well, it's tough because, uh, you know, you look at the CTE injuries and, you know, uh, I mean, you know, I'd say pick the sport where you can make the most money. So if you get injured, it, it, you know, it's worth the fucking pain. Like, you know, you look at Conor McGregor, he's worth a lot of money. But yeah. I don't think I'd ever want my kid to be an MMA fighter, though. I would be fine with him playing hockey. But hockey, you look at uh, hockey's a very rough and tough. just got to have a good dentist. So, uh, you know, football's like CTE city. Uh, I mean, my older brother broke his nose three times in basketball. I mean, basketball, I'm probably not going to, unless he's like some giant, uh, you know. If he's 6'2, if he's your size or one of my brother's size, and then he. Is a good ball handler. He could be a point guard. I mean, uh, yeah, and it's whatever he likes. I mean, maybe he likes soccer. Uh, I would love for our kid to play soccer. I mean, soccer is, uh, Jesus Christ, some of those dudes, especially in, in Europe. Millionaires, man. Uh, could you imagine? What if our kid was like an elite soccer player that like got recruited to go play for like England or something? Oh, yeah, in, that, uh, in the UK league. Uh, and they're like, that's Skakel's kid. And they're like, you mean the comics and they're like yeah i mean hey uh if he's happy uh you, know. <laughs> you say that on the podcast now after the podcast you're like fuck if he's happy you better make me some fucking money i mean you know it's uh i want him to play what he enjoys playing but you know my luck he probably likes playing fucking badminton and there's no <laughs> Uh, water polo uh, that's a good sport you can get into harvard but uh doesn't galern's kid play hard? yeah i mean water polo uh is is a big sport now but uh you know like my parents didn't push me into anything like looking back i wish they would have let me play football or something uh you know just so i could socialize more i mean football in high school is a great socialization sport yeah you know like that probably uh held me back in high school anyway not playing sports because like you know i think i would have been even more popular than i was because i would have been like the funny guy in the football team were you on the golf team 
I was on the golf team, uh, but it was really, to be honest with you, because my dad had a membership to Bel Air Country Club, so the coach just wanted to play there. Mm. So, uh, you know, I mean, I'm a realist. But I did, uh, you know, they had a rule at Notre Dame High where you had to play in one match. Every kid had to play. Mm-hmm. So uh, I forget. Who, I think we were playing Crespi, which is a big high school in the Valley. Uh, and they had a big, like a Bloods Crips rivalry with the Notre Dame High. And uh, I played. And on the first hole, I like shot like a 10. And I got so pissed, I uh, broke my <laughs> I broke my putter over my knee. <laughs> Gee, that sounds like someone I know. So for the the other eight holes, I had to putt with my driver. Did you do bad? Oh, my God. I, I don't think I got <laughs> less than a 10 on any hole. You know how hard it is to putt with a fucking driver? And I had one of those drivers with a gigantic head on it. Like, putters are, are pretty small, like the surface. So you can, like, so, you know. I, how old were you when you broke the putter over your knee? Uh, 48. What <laughs> the fuck? Yeah, uh, it sounds about right. I was a senior in high school, so. Uh, You've always had anger issues, man. Yeah. Well, you should have seen me in the early days of me playing hockey. I was a maniac. Like, you know. I have would, you ever hit a girlfriend? Uh, no. I came close once, but, uh, you know, uh, I've never hit a girl. So I've been accused of it. You hit me all the time. What the <laughs> fuck? But we play fight. So, uh, no, I've never. Uh, I mean, I, I Who almost. Who accused you of hitting them? Well, we don't have to get into that. But, like, uh, you know. And it, was, it was recently i'll say that. oh i know who it is then and uh but you know it, it's crazy though and, and this i almost uh, uh outed the, the situation in public uh, like on twitter or something uh just because if you get accused of something like that your career is donezo yeah uh well one i didn't do it so i i wasn't um <laughs> you know there was that but, you know, just a rumor of... Where's uh, the proof? That's what I always say to people. Well, I mean, you could hit someone and they... Or or whatever. I feel like this day and age, if you hit anyone that grew up... Anyone below the age of 30, if you hit them as a guy, they would have went to the cops. Well, I, I mean, uh, you know, I mean... Well, you look at when I was Me too uh, you know, many years ago. Yeah. Or an attempted Me too. Nothing happened. You know, I guess I could have gone to the cops then, but I, I... I never went to the cops. I had a boyfriend that beat me. But but in my situation, and, and, and tell us about yours, like I just was like, all right, this is how the business is. It's not, you know... and But then when the Harvey Weinstein stuff happened, I, I thought, wow, I, I kind of was a victim too. That was kind of fucked up. Why, like, why didn't you report the guy who hit you? Uh, well, I've been a victim of me too by like seven people, but the person that hit me was also the person that like sexually assaulted me and was my boss and forced me into a relationship. But it, it was like a point of abuse that like started off small and ended up big. So by the time he did throw me against a kitchen counter and like hit me and left bruises on my arms, you're just kind of like, yeah, this makes sense that you're going to do this now. And then I didn't want to say anything because we worked on the same movie and I was, I was 21. I was scared. When you're 21, you don't know what to do. But you're also like, I'm a small person too. So it was like, if I go to the cops, I'm going to have to quit the job on the movie I'm on, which I want to be on because I've only been in the industry a year or two. 
and then it's going to cause a lot of problems. And then what if I never get hired in this area for films again? And I was still, I just graduated college and was like paying for all my own stuff on my own. So I think I just, after that, after the movie was over, I left that city and never saw him again. And then when I worked in Atlanta, if he was brought up for a job there, I would tell my employer, please don't hire him for this reason. But I mean, I think with women and and the film industry, it's like there's, you know, I think there's more men in power over women than there are women over men. Like, uh, you know, I could see like why you didn't report it because he's your boss. He's big time in the business. You want to work, obviously. It's like, you know, I I can't say, uh, I mean, in my situation, you know, there's a lot of gay, uh, I think there's a lot of gay I know guys like, like, um. My friend Max, you know, he was, when he was 24, was approached by a director and like kind of the director was very suggestive to Max because he's a good looking young dude. And Max was like, what the fuck? Yeah. If you're a male actor and I know there was a case of, uh, I forget the guy's name, but this one particular photographer back East, he's like a gigantic photographer for like Vogue and, and James G- Goldstein. Just kidding. No, it was uh, Bruce something. Uh, I forget the guy's name, older guy, but he's, he's got several male models uh, accusing him of stuff. But like, unfortunately for those male models, they never really made it to like, you know, Kate Moss uh, levels. So they're, they're labeled as bitter. Or you're just saying it cause you didn't make it you know mm-hmm. so it's i think at least in hollywood that's a big reason why people don't come out so you know the, the retaliation i mean that's how harvey weinstein was uh, allowed to like fucking i mean what 87 people yeah. 87 women had some form of accusation against the guy yeah and you know bill cosby i think it was like 50 something women i think um just like Bill Cosby, Harvey Weinstein really took the bullet for a lot of other predatorial Hollywood execs, to be honest. Oh, my God. There's... there's. Uh, what are you looking at? There's many more. Uh, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> looking at you, you freak. There's many more predators. If you think Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby... Uh, are you know Hollywood safe? Uh, think again, because yeah. there's a uh, hundred of them: uh, casting directors, uh, producers, directors. Uh, you know, I can't tell you how many. Uh, I would say probably my last four girlfriends. Uh, I've had comics uh, or or people who are more known than me, directors, whatever. Oh, we love Earl. Do you want to come over and take a look at this script? Yeah. Anytime a guy says, well, why don't you come over and we can read your script together? I always am like, how about I just email it to you? I'm busy. And they're like, well, we can read it together, go through it. I'm like, why do I need to be there to go through it? Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, the, the predatory behavior of and yet uh, I'm sure all what the f- uh of Hollywood people is you know mind blowing uh that I mean I know female musicians who've told me horror stories about 
um, you know, people, hey, mm-hmm. if you uh, do this, we can help get your demo uh, produced yeah. or whatever. And, you know, female comics, uh, I, I see it. Uh, but then I know a lot of other female, I know a lot of females too that put themselves out there. Oh, absolutely. You know? I mean, there's definitely uh, artists who uh, don't mind sleeping their way to the top. I mean, I know a lot of girls who are not as funny as me and some of my other comic friends who 100% have more fame or touring ability and stuff because of the decisions they make that I will not. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure. uh, I mean, if I would have played ball with this casting person at Fox, I'm not saying I would have been put on... Put this way, you might have seen me in a guest spot on uh, X Files, <laughs> wink, wink, uh, or Millennium, which I wouldn't have minded because I love me some Lance Henriksen. Oh God! So uh, you know, we're just babbling here. You know, we we hope that this we we're at the hour and fifteen minute mark. We're just trying to give you a little content. You yeah. Know? Uh, Stay safe, Seattle. Yes, everyone. I mean, wash your fucking hands. You know, don't pick your nose and share your boogers with homeless people. Los Angeles is quarantined till at least May 15th. So hope you guys like Earl and my podcast because I'm the new co-host. And now they, uh, you know, said to go into like a supermarket or liquor store or 7-Eleven or whatever that you have to wear a mask, which probably should have been done a month ago. Uh, but you know, we're beating it. We're flattening the curve. So, uh, you know, hopefully this is, uh, well, I mean, who knows what the new normal will be? Yeah. You know, the, the new normal might be, uh, instead of going to a hockey game, you know, Staples Center holds 18,000 people. They might cap tickets at 10,000 and require you to sit one seat in between. Like there might be. <laughs> like every other seat will be empty I, you know uh you know the last concert i went to was kiss it was packed at staples so it's twenty thousand people you couldn't have fit another person in this fucking place maybe that's the new norm every other seat will be empty now i Ho- mean hopefully possibly. not but you know we're still in that era of uh unknown and you know uh you know, I, I liken this to like like when AIDS first came out. You know, first it was a gay disease. And then, you know, that one gay guy slept with a bisexual woman, you know, who she got infected through the gay guy. And then she fucked a straight guy. And then a straight guy got it. And they're like, well, how did the straight guy get it? I thought it was just a gay disease, you know, and. Like it's like that kind of paranoia that's popping into. Yeah, they're saying dogs give it to us. And... You know, I mean, I've seen two reports now on that one saying that uh, if someone sneezes on a dog, that the dog can carry it to their human owner, and then I saw another report literally five minutes later on like Yahoo or Drudge Report that dogs can't. By the time it hits their hair, it's it's not um, uh, what alive. Is it? Yeah, and it it can't be transferred, you know, which is it? Um, So uh, stay safe, you know, just want, you know, be hygienic, you know, uh, you know, wash. You know, I saw another report that said instead of six feet, it's 27 feet. I don't know how sustainable that is going to be uh, in the future, but, uh, 
you know, to me, it's and you tell me if I'm wrong, Chandler, because you're a lot smarter than I am. To me, this is just a super, super duper version of the flu. Yeah, it's basically just an incurable version of the flu. But if you look at it, like if you're relatively healthy and I'm trying to end this podcast on a, a somewhat positive note, you know, like you look at the NBA players uh, who got it, you know, they're fine now. If you look at, uh, I think, the four Ottawa Senators who got it. And they had a game in L.A., which I, me and Chandler were both at. Uh, you know, they're healthy now. Uh, I'm not trying to minimize and say you shouldn't be. Uh, Just don't be paranoid because that's going to paranoia causes your immune system to be fucked up. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you're, you have asthma or any kind of uh, uh, an immune deficiency disease, whether it be HIV or, uh, you, you know, any kind of lung capacity. Asthma asthma or uh you know emphysema uh you know just obviously if you have a precondition a pre-existing condition stay inside if you're old or young stay inside wash your hands wash your clothes regularly sanitize your house we all learned how to do this in kindergarten yeah i mean we'll get through this on the other side i mean you know we, we flatten the curve we I mean, I, I don't think we'll be going to athletic events until the NFL is back, which, you know, they don't even know if they're going to do a full season now. And that shit starts in September. Uh, so, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, I probably the NBA and NHL playoffs are done. Uh, so. Be safe. Yeah, just be careful. Be safe. Uh, Chandler, where can people follow you on Twitter, Instagram, and, and most importantly, TikTok? Um, Twitter, Instagram is just at Chandler Barbie, B-A-R-E-E, B-A-R-B-E-E. And then TikTok is Chan, C-H-A-N, Barbie, B-A-R-B-E-E. And I, of course, am on Twitter and Instagram at Earl Skakel, E-A-R-L-S-K-A-K-E-L. And I am on TikTok. I, I don't do it as much as Chandler just because... I haven't achieved very much success on it. I get discouraged easily. Yeah. To be honest. I built up 10,000 followers and he's like, I can do that in a day. So I want instant results. As you got, you guys know me by this time. Uh, I'm at uh, just Earl Skakel on TikTok. Uh, I think I have like seven videos up. None of them are doing that well. But, uh, you know, I think it's a generation thing. It's a Gen Z or millennial tool. Uh, yeah. But I'm the youngest millennial, the youngest year. I mean, I'm just getting uh, a little more active on YouTube, which, uh, you know, I have, a, I think, two new clips up on YouTube. I have my voiceover reel, uh, which is uh, includes uh, Jelly's clips and uh, stand-up clips, uh, cart animated cartoon uh, stand-up I did that uh, you might be seeing uh, on a network in the future. And... Uh, you know, my Shane Doan roast, which is uh, probably my career highlight so far in terms of uh, getting to be in front of a sold-out audience, ripping into hockey players. I hope you are watching Comedy Central. You might want to switch it up on some of these uh, roasts you have. Uh, I wrote for the last one. I should be on the next one. But, uh, you know, me and Comedy Central, we're good. I did Cluster Fest. We're, we're, I'm back you did in, the Rosalac Baldwin. They didn't want you to do it, but you did it. I'm back in the Viacom family. 
uh, you know, living large, uh, uh, getting my checks from Viacom. Thank you. Roast Battle, still going. I, I always support the show. Uh, I'm dying up here, not going. Thank you very much, Showtime. Another Viacom network. Uh, uh, the Jellies, uh, streaming on Adult Swim. You know, people ask me, oh, that's probably the number one question I get other than how big my dick is. Uh is uh is the jellies coming how big back? is it at uh, seven uh inches uh nine in your mouth hello bah, 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 bah. uh people ask me all the time are all uh are the jellies coming back I, I don't know to be honest with you but uh you know one way to kind of help the process along is to stream it on adult swim they see the numbers are up they'll bring it back that's true i mean it's just how it works you know it's just like, the creator where you at yeah, boy. I'm he doesn't sorry. do that. That's flavor flav. Flavor flav in the house. Boy. Okay, I'm leaving the podcast now. Um, well, this is when I catch my second wind. It's like, you know, the Apple Podcasts. You you guys rate, review, subscribe. It it helps the numbers, you know. Uh, I mean, I I have uh I think 220 or something like that reviews. If everyone who listened to this podcast left a review, just said, hey, it's a good podcast or whatever you feel, I would get back into the charts. It's the algorithm. It's ratings, five-star reviews, and uh, subscriptions. Uh, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, you know, you know, I need you guys to help me out. Inappropriate or Apple podcast. And for you non-Apple uh, people. SoundCloud. SoundCloud. People, uh, someone asked me the other day uh, in DM form, uh, if I listen on SoundCloud, that, that does it help me? I, it, put it this way, it doesn't hurt me. So, uh, of course, you want to be, uh, maybe I'll be the first SoundCloud comic. You know, who knows? But I don't buy my listeners like some other comics do. Shit. See some of you with like a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand followers. You phony fucks. Sorry, I got too into character there. I keep it real. I'm not bitter. I'm honest. There's a big difference. Okay. Don't tell me when to end my goddamn podcast. Hello. Uh dating Chandler the last year and a half. It's done one thing for me. It's it's made me look at OJ's side of things. What the fuck? That's an old joke you've said about your other girlfriends. What the mess? Get out of here. I'll poison your food. Poison? They're one of my favorite bands. You know, I see you. I see you on the telephone. I'm only hoping that you're home. Talk dirty to me. Uh, by the way, Weezer does a great cover of that song. Uh, if you can find it on YouTube. They don't do it anymore. But, you know, such is life. Here today, gone tomorrow. Uh, thank you, Chandler Barbie, as always. You're welcome. And I thank you to the fans. You know, I do it for you guys. I don't make a dollar doing this podcast, and I'm a Jew. This is We're almost 300 episodes in. I literally have paid to do this podcast. So uh, thank you, guys. I love all the tweets and the Facebook messages and the Instagram love. I really do appreciate it. And the drawings. It. He loves when you guys draw him. Uh, no, seriously. like I want a drawing. Like people ask me, I do comedy because I love doing it. I I really do, you know. And if you do comedy uh, for twenty years in Los Angeles, you really do do it because you love it. Like if you do comedy for money in Los Angeles, you'll quit after a year, maybe even less. But like one time, a fan sent me, and I'm looking at it right now, and I wish I remembered who sent it to me. I'd give them a shout out. Uh, I got to the comedy store one night. They said, "Hey, Earl, there's a package here for you." 
I go into the office. There's this like pretty big package for me. I open it up, and it's a vintage Abdullah the Butcher in the box wrestling doll, and uh, it meant a lot to me. Uh, the first night I did roast battle in Montreal, I look into the crowd. There's a guy stage left. I was so shocked when I saw this. I almost flubbed my first joke. He had a Skakel Army T-shirt on. This guy took the time to go to a printing shop, rip off the Kiss Army logo, put Skakel on it, and it's like I live for shit like that. So I really do love the fans. Uh, we're a small but mighty group. You're so cute. But it's true though. Like the fact that someone would take the time to spend money on a T-shirt. And, you know, not just write Skakel on a blank T-shirt, but, like, had a logo made and, like, that was some cool stuff. And uh, my one fan on Twitter, I think it's 12-ounce epilogue. I might be getting his handle wrong. He's also on uh, Instagram. He does these really cool drawings of me in, like, pencil form. Uh, Someone did a crazy cool uh, street art thing of you. It's the same guy. Uh, yeah, that was so, it looked so real. I'm like, I want that stencil for you to use in LA. But if you look at my, maybe like three Instagram pictures ago, I posted the one he did of me has Kamala with Jeremy Piven's head on my spear. <laughs> it's an old picture. It's a, this is such a one-sided beef, you and Jeremy Piven. I know, but it's an old picture where Kamala was, had a magazine cover and on the head of his spear was Hulk Hogan's head. It's not a beef, believe me. I, my, Jimmy Carr and I have a beef. Me and Jeremy Piven, like it, it. Me and Jeremy Piven, it's like the Harlem Globetrotters and the Washington Generals. It's a very one-sided. Uh, I gave. That's him what a, I said. It's a one-sided I beef. <laughs> I gave him a shot at roast battle. He bitched out on the battle, and then he bitched out on a fist fight in the. Uh, comedy store parking lot how fast do you think tony hinchcliffe would have started taking bets on that tony would have had a, a hotline set up to a vegas casino taking action and trust me that fight would have lasted about as long as the roast battle would and then i got <laughs> yelled at by someone on the show for bullying jeremy piffin who the what, what is roast battle it is bullying <laughs> who, who yelled at you well i don't i don't want to say yeah i don't want to say but let's just say that night i got a phone call at about two in the morning why'd you bully him man because that's what i do because you want him everyone wanted it i mean on roast battle you got people calling people fag uh whore uh, fat slob uh you know and they, I, I, this guy's me tooed out of hollywood so all of a sudden I'm the bad guy. Like, he's being protected. You know, it's like if I got me tooed out of the comedy uh, and just started showing up on film sets. Hey, I'm here to act. Have you ever done it before? Nope. But I want to do it because I can't do stand-up anymore. Because I showed my pee-pee to too many comics. And they didn't want to see it. I thought you did do that. Yeah, but any girl I show my pee-pee to since I was zero has wanted to see it. You know what, though? I think you've showed your PP to more guy comics than girl comics as a gag. Oh, yeah. It's just for laughs. <laughs> I showed it to David Spade one night in the hallway of the comedy store. Maybe that's why I didn't get lights out. Because he remembered my dick pic. He liked I mean, it, though. He looked at it for about two minutes. <laughs> of course, the, I would have rather have gotten on lights out. But. Those days are over. Well, yeah, it's a whole different era. I mean, it's, it's like... 
you know, I mean, Harvey Weinstein ruined it all. You know, on I'm Dying Up Here, and I'll leave you guys with this. Uh, on I'm Dying Up Here, I had we had a table read, and it was for the very last episode. I think they knew it was going to be the last episode, and the writer comes, the main writer, Dave, comes up to me and goes, hey, just so you know, if we do get a season three, we had a scene written for you where Ari is so desperate. Now, Ari was the female lead in the show. Uh, no, Cassie. Uh, Ari Grainer was the actress, Cassie, and, and the show. And they're like, uh, we have a scene written for you where she's so desperate she fucks you. And then we showed it to Showtime, and they said, yeah, we don't want her getting passed around like that because this was right in the middle of the Harvey but Weinstein name thing. one female comic that hasn't been passed around like that. But, I mean, well, hopefully not you. Well, uh, not me. I'm not a comic, though. I'm a improv comedian. I know. But the whole gag, what I was about to say, was, you know, this was right when the Harvey Weinstein thing was really just getting yeah. exposed to the forefront, and so I was cock-blocked by Harvey Weinstein. Me and Ari Grainer could have had a scene. cinematically cock blocked. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look at that guy's face. You know, I, I, I don't understand why people are surprised he raped women. Look at that face. Who's gonna fuck him willingly? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. That's not funny. Bill Cosby too. Each skin tag was for a victim. Oh, stop. So nasty. So nasty. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my second wind here. Me and Chandler got to take Lois for a walk. This has been inappropriate, Earl. You guys know I love you. We're just babbling. You know, we're all looking for something to do. We're going to be, uh, if you're doing this the way the government wants, we're all staying home alone so we don't get sick. So you got to listen to podcasts and, you know, I need the numbers. So spread, retweet, share, TikTok, whatever. Uh, put it on Grinder for all I care. I need the fucking numbers. I'm 51. I'm starting to think uh, new faces in Montreal is not calling me back for a reason. I love you all. Break.